Hello, 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 everybody. It's another Marvelous Monday on Common Sense Uncensored. And as always, if you would like some GFBS merchandise, go to gfbsmerch.com. And as always, follow us on Rumble. Any questions or comments, you can call 701-213-0863. And we love to have you respond to us so we can chat with you when we're out on Facebook and every place else that you can find. Grand Forks, best source. So um, I have a wonderful guest back with me today to help explain some of the new things that are going on with the Convention of States, and that is Dale Burke. How are you doing, Dale? Hey, Kit. Good to be back. <laughs> well, I know you've got some good uh, information. You guys have been doing some heavy dancing and some updating and stuff. And if you managed to see my show last Monday... November 20th with Aman. Uh, Jabi, you know that we've got some, uh, I will call it insidious mm. things that are coming down the pike for our safety and for our convenience uh, as far as smart cities go. And it's got me concerned that this is coming down not only from the federal level, from the state level. And as we discussed in that show, it's going to be darn difficult to stop it. And I'm hoping that maybe through convention of states, we have another way of doing something about this rather than either surrendering or going scorched earth. So well, I, I did see your show last Monday, and I, I, I agree. It's this whole AI thing, you know, it's, it's like Elon Musk said. It, it's not AI that's the problem. It's who controls AI, Correct. who programs AI, and who utilizes AI for their agenda. And, yeah, a Convention of States is, is exactly, that's exactly the kind of thing that it was put into the Constitution by our founders to make sure that we had control over and that if the federal government tried to do something that we did, the states did not agree with or didn't like, that we had a course of action that they have no authority over so that we can take action on the behalf of the states and we the people at the local level, more, more local level, at the state level. Well, I find it interesting because the, the big push for AR, AI appears to be starting, of course, where there is a airbase mm -hmm. in Minot. Mm -hmm. And so I have to assume that under the umbrella of the feds, that they're literally taking over the town. Is That's my opinion, but well, it, it does seem rather that way, and that how can the state fight back? As you know, military always leads with technology or new entities of any kind, whether they be you know, digital or mechanical, whatever it is, they seem to lead the way with, with those things. And I don't think AI is going to be any different. But what AI is the latest fear porn. It's the latest thing to keep us all freaking out, scared to death, and willing to give up our freedoms and liberties for safety and security, which the federal government cannot provide us safety and security in any reasonable sense other than under their enumerated powers, original enumerated, enumerated powers, which are to secure our borders, provide a you know reasonable level of safety and security, national security, you know, based on what we've empowered them to do. Now, of course, they've taken that and, and grabbed a whole bunch more authority and power than we, the people or the states, ever really gave to them. But on the other hand, we didn't stop them either um, because, unfortunately, our generation was the, one of the first generations that was under this indoctrination that said, uh, you know, politics is a bunch of crap, you know, 
voting's not you know what it's supposed to be and you should just forget about all that crap and not worry about it and politics i don't do politics was the oh, big Lord. thing you know yeah, that people would that. say and again that's how we've kind of gotten to where we're at now is that i don't know if you remember but i remember clearly how we were we had certain teachers that told us that our parents were idiots and that we were the smart ones and that we should be in charge and we should be in control and we shouldn't listen to anything that the older generation had to say. And, of course, kids are all about, you know, hey, that sounds good to me, you know. Yeah, well, it's even worse now because they're, quite, yeah. quite frankly, being taught to be completely narcissistic and um, with, the, with the grading standards and stuff, quite frankly, again, I, people get mad at me when I say this, but we don't have the most intelligence students on the planet but we certainly have the most egotistical and that's that's the problem i when i talked with them on i said it's going to come from our kids it's the communist manifesto dumb us down split the kids you know from the family older, unit from the family unit and from the wisdom of the older generations who have the knowledge and experience of a lifetime gathered you split them off from that it's this if you look at the bolshevik revolution in russia the mao dynasty all of the communist dynasties, that's how they start. Every single one of them start by dividing the younger generation from the older generation and then starting, well, here in the United States, they just want to start a race war. They've been trying to start a race war since the 60s, you know, when with the uh, equal rights, yes. you know, stuff going on. Thank you, Lyndon Johnson. Well, yeah, and they, the communists that have infiltrated our country, mostly in colleges and universities, as instructors that are tenured and safe and, you know, they've pretty much got a guaranteed existence and it's really hard to get rid of them. They're indoctrinating our children with these ideas and they're communist ideals and ideas. And we're seeing that come to fruition now with these, you know, totally indoctrinated young people who really truly believe that socialism and communism they is do. a good thing. And that, well, we can make it work because we'll do it right this time. <laughs> Where have you heard that before? <laughs> I, whenever I hear that, I just chuckle because it's like, I just, oh. But, but when you have no ability to critically think exactly. and all you can do is, is spout manifesto, there's idiots out there screaming from the river to the sea. And someone stopped and asked them and said, which river, which sea? And what does that mean? And they had no clue. But they're out there shouting it. Because it's the talking point they were given. Correct. And they were told that if you want to do this, say this. And they don't, yeah. Again, we were some of the first where they just, our schoolwork was, here's the information, regurgitate it on the test, and you'll be fine. You'll get a good grade. Don't ask questions. Yep. Don't contest the information you're being, being given to regurgitate. And that's where I got into a lot of trouble. I know. School. Yeah, me too. Because a lot of the stuff they were pushing on us, uh, I had questions. <laughs> well, I always told my students, ask why. Yeah. And in fact, I said, including me, ask why, because I should be able to factually back it up and just, you know, be prepared because I'm going to be doing the same thing to you. And they all would go, oh, gosh. And I said, so just regurgitating what I say isn't going to stand unless you can factually back it up through some of your own research. So we had some interesting discussions, and that's what you're supposed to to have. That used to be the definition of higher education. Yes. Is open, honest, fact-based debate. Right. And that's, that's where we're not even close to any of that anymore. It's just regurgitate the indoctrination. 
Well, we have the feds now more ingrained in our education than ever before because, of course, it's all the almighty dollar. And so we have all of our local schools, besides writing on property taxes and stuff, saying, oh, the federal money, the federal money, which means the feds control the education system, which was never intended, which is why we need to get the states back in control. But how can we get the states back in control if they're still needing to suck from quite basically the federal teat? Well, yeah, that's the whole thing is we've gotten to the point where the states who were originally the parents who created the federal government, the child, to do the few things that one big federal government was better at doing than the individual states were were uh, for themselves. For example, you know, our border states like Texas and, you know, all those border states with Mexico, all the border states with uh, Canada, they would be left to their own devices to secure our national border. Correct. And they would have to pay for it all. They'd have to, you know, everything would be on their backs. Well, if we come together as states and have a national situation there where the national government secures the border and all the states cooperate in that because they all benefit from it, as we've seen Recently, it's not just the border states that are <laughs> suffering from this latest no, invasion. No, no. You know, so yeah, there's a reason for all the states to cooperate in certain things, and that's why they had enumerated powers of the federal government when it was created. The idea that they have gone so much further than anybody ever, you know, authorized them really to do, other than by just not doing anything about it when they did overstep. But, you know, we've tried this before. We've tried calling conventions before, Mm -hmm. conventions of the states before. And that's the big thing I want to say here, too, is our our opponents are calling this a constitutional convention, and this couldn't be any further from that. This is not a constitutional convention that we're talking about here. This is a convention of the states to come together and – debate and hash out and propose amendments to our Constitution because the Founding Fathers from the beginning knew that the Constitution would have to grow and change to grow and change with the nation. That's why they put Article 5 in the Constitution. And they allowed Congress to do this, and they allowed the states themselves to do it. The states have never really done it before, for two reasons. One, because the federal government has usually taken care of the things that the states wanted done because they knew that the states still had to ratify anything they tried to do. So they had to kind of cooperate with whatever they put forward. But every time the states got together and tried to, you know, started saying, okay, we're going to call a convention of states and we're going to get this done because the federal government isn't listening to us. Well, right about the time they got the states, enough states to call, the 34 states to call the convention, all of a sudden the federal government would capitulate and give in, so to speak, and give us kind of what we wanted, enough to fool them into saying, okay, well, we don't have to keep doing this thing. It's, it's a pain in the butt, and we don't have to keep going forward with it. They're going to give us what we want. But come to find out each and every time what they really did is they gave us a, a facsimile yeah. of what we wanted, and it usually had a sunset clause in it or uh-huh. something else where it went away after a certain amount of time. Back in the 80s, you know, we went through this where we came really close to calling a convention of states, but it just kind of petered out after Reagan got elected. 
Well, the problem I have is the fact of what you're describing is, is exactly what happens at the North Dakota state level. We have a property tax initiative that is being pushed right now because the last two times something like this has come up, our legislators have gotten together and told everybody, oh, you don't want to do that. You absolutely don't want to do that. Yeah. We'll take care of it for yeah. you. And then they never did. Right. And then the next time they came, oh, don't, don't, no, no, we, we hear you this time, but, mm-hmm. but, and nothing. So they want to keep us afraid to right. exercise our power like it's going to somehow create a problem that we aren't aware of or, or yes. they treat us like we're the we're dumb, too stupid. We're the dumb little children who don't realize what we're doing, but we do. And that's what Convention of States action is is saying is that we understand this. We have some of the best constitutional attorneys in 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 the country. Michael Ferris is an amazing attorney and uh, Mark Meckler you know, was one of the leading people in the Tea Party movement. And what they realized after the Tea Party movement was it doesn't really matter who we elect. (laughs) We got some pretty good people or supposed to be pretty good people elected through the Tea Party movement, but it didn't get us where we thought it would get us. So that's why Convention of States Action is so adamant about calling this convention and seeing it happen and making sure that we at least get this done in a way that we can prove, hey, this is how it's done, and this is how it works, and this is how we make our voices heard and how we control the federal government at the state level. And yes, right now, the states are way too dependent upon federal money. Well, here's the thing. That money was never federal money. It's state money that the states pay, give to the federal government, and then the federal government decides how much they get back or which states get how much back. If that money just stayed with the states in the first place and the states decided how to spend it, in most cases, that would be better. You know, that would be better for the people of the state. So that's kind of the long-term idea of this whole thing is to get the power back into the state legislature where it belongs and let them decide, each state decide for its own citizens, how best they would like to see things done in that state. Now, the Convention of States... Again, 34 states to call the convention, 38 to pass anything, you know, to ratify anything into actual law after the fact that comes out of convention. And that's why this whole thing about, oh, runaway convention, it can't happen because all they can do is make suggestions. The convention cannot do anything other than suggest things. Okay. The only, th- the only action that's permanent and lawful is when all the states get together and you get 38 states, both the House and Senate, both chambers of the... Well, except there's some states that have a single... Anyway, the entire legislature of the state has to come together and ratify anything that comes out of there. Now, getting 38 of 50 states to ratify something is a very high mark. It's a very difficult task. And the Founding Fathers wanted it that way because that's how you make sure that it's well thought out a lot of people are thinking about it. A lot of people are discussing it. There's a lot of different minds involved in looking for the pitfalls of some action or something. Well, we're going to get right back to that because sure. I've got some questions to ask you. But first thing we're going to do is executive properties. Are you still putting off that project around the house that's been bugging you forever? Do you think you can wait until spring and call a contractor and have the work done ASAP? Well, good luck with that. 
Executive Properties has openings right now to get that project done. In fact, you can check out their Google reviews. Diane says Executive Properties did a roof project and remodeled a bathroom in our house. We were happy with their quality of work and the projects were completed in a timely manner. We will use Executive Properties for our next home project. Get that project done sooner than later. Call Executive Properties, 701-330-1273. And call now for snow removal. And it's here because we got a little dusting of snow right now. And, and unfortunately, I think we're going to have more than a dusting in the near future here. But, okay, so I have a question for you. What you sure. described tells me exactly how tough it's going to be to get this done and stuff. But I already just said... <sighs> Gosh, you know, I'm not real happy with my state legislature. So if this yeah. goes back to them, how do I know that they're going to do the right thing? Well, see, that's that's the whole thing about the grassroots initiative of Convention of States Action. People like me are building a group of people that are well-informed, that, you know, keep an eye on what's going on up there at the legislature. And that's what we've been missing in North Dakota is, a you know, enough people, enough citizens that are informed and watching what's going on that can then put that political pressure on our legislators and say, hey, wait a minute, this is what we want to see you do. And if you find out anything when you start doing this and start talking to legislators, the one thing they do pay attention to is their constituents. When there's enough of them saying the same thing, they listen because they know, okay, this is a significant number of people. The next election rolls around. If these people vote against me, I'm probably not going to have this seat. And all, all politicians want to get reelected. Now, that's just the nature of the beast. You know, whether, and, and there's a lot of reasons for that. Some of them want to stay in because they feel like they're going to you know, do good for the state and they care about their communities and they want to do good works. Others are just uh, in it for their own personal reasons, whatever they may be. The bottom line is none of it really matters as long as we, the people, the citizen, are actively involved and letting our desires be known to those legislators. So when, when we just leave them sitting up there with no direction and, and nothing, they're not hearing anything from their constituents, they, they just pretty much go whichever way they're leaning or the wind's blowing. Or I mean, they make their decisions based on other things, and they shouldn't. We, the people, the grassroots people of the state, it's our responsibility as citizens to be involved and be engaged in this. And that's where Convention of States comes in. We provide a system and a platform for people to get educated, understand the Constitution, understand their citizen responsibilities, understand how the system works, have direct communications with their representatives. That's one of the first things we do with people that come in and want to volunteer is we give them the little task of find out who your district reps and your district senator are. You know, come back to me and tell me the name of your, you know, who, who, who's the representatives for your district and who's your district senator. Because you'd be surprised how many people don't even know that. No, I, I really wouldn't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately. Probably not. No, I, I wouldn't be. It is one of those things that, you know, it's, it's, really, it's really shocking to find out how disengaged the citizenry is from this stuff, and it really does depend on them to work properly. And without them, it doesn't work properly. So, how is the is the how many how many states have already said okay we're good? We've got 19 states that are solid with the resolution passed, and there's some stuff going on in Kansas where they basically 
passed the resolution, but there's some question whether they have a thing in place that requires a different standard and whether that's constitutional or not. There's some litigation going on with that right now. So we don't really count Kansas as the 20th state quite yet. Okay. But, <coughs> excuse me, they did actually, by a majority margin, uh, pass the resolution in their last session. But that'll have to remain to be seen whether it, you know, whether it actually gets to where it needs to be. Um, we've got uh, several other states that have got it passed in one chamber of their state, you know, whether either the Senate or the or the House, and they're working on the second to get it passed through. Um, again, you know, we're we're gaining momentum. You know, we've got a lot of things that have happened since the last time you and I talked. We had our 2023 simulation of the convention of states we had delegate or we had commissioners people like to call them delegates but they're actually termed commissioners from 49 of the 50 states only rhode island didn't send really commissioners to this simulation yeah in that they had uh, last summer and or this past summer they were able to pass amendments suggested amendments in all three areas I believe, of our resolution, which are term limits for not only elected officials, but government officials in you know, bureaucracies and judicial, fiscal responsibilities, get the spending under control, get the deficit under control, and reduce the size of the federal government back to reasonable, you know, enumerated powers type levels, and get rid of some of these, you know, corporate or these big alphabet agencies that are, <laughs> you know, basically an overstep of the federal authority. So they were able to actually show how a convention of states would work, and they showed, and let's face it, this was a very abbreviated thing. Mm -hmm. They had just a few days in committee to work these things out and then come back to the floor and kind of hammer them out on the floor and make changes, and, you know, they would propose different, uh, you know, adjustments to it and stuff and then vote on it. And a very interesting thing happened. Um, the the fellow who was uh, elected the president of the convention, his name was Woody uh, Jenkins. Yeah, Woody Jenkins. He kind of started steering things a little bit. And one of the commissioners stood up and said, uh, I think it's your job not to steer the ship. In, or not to, yeah, not to steer the ship, but to... Uh, Anyway, I don't, remember, I don't remember how he put it. But anyway, they challenged him. They challenged his authority to steer the way it was going. And he said, no, I think I have the authority to do that. So they have took a vote on it. And the commissioners voted him down and said, no, you don't have the authority to direct this thing. You just conduct it. You know, you... you Facilitate it. You're not the orchestra. You're you're a you're little the conductor. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You're you're just the, the same as one of the orchestra, and we can we we put you up there. We can take you out. Well, not just that, but they just let him know that okay, you don't get to steer this thing. We steer this thing, and that's how it's supposed to be. And right now, um, one of the things that's happening is a lot of states that have passed that are past states of the of the resolution are now working on legislation to. Uh, spell out in very detail penalties for if they send commissioners to a actual convention of states, if they don't go up there and follow their directives from the state, that they will be recalled 
And some states even want them to face criminal charges if they you know, go too far and, and steer off course. Because one of the big concerns is because they do control the um, direction and everything of the convention, there's some concern that you might be able to get a large enough faction of the commissioners together to try to pull something. Well, again, the state, individual states still have control over their commissioners. Now, we sent Jim Casper, which is one of our uh, big supporters. He was actually a uh, sponsor and co-sponsor of a couple of the, two of the four uh, pieces of legislation that North Dakota passed in becoming the 10th state to, to pass the resolution. He's out of District 46 in Fargo. And uh, he was the, like our main commissioner, you know, and then we had two other individuals that went up there with him and they, they were really, really impressed with the whole process. In fact, we just had a big meeting up in Bismarck that uh, the other regional captain, Lynn Marr and I put together and that's her region over there, Bismarck. So uh, we had Jim Casper come and be our keynote speaker and we actually invited, we sent handwritten invitations to all of the representatives in the districts in and around Bismarck to this little meeting. And we did get several of them coming in. And a lot of them were either neutral or opposed to the Convention of States, you know, mm -hmm. uh, resolution. They went out of there as supporters of the resolution because of Jim explaining the realities. And uh, the one thing, I, I queued up the video from the simulation where this little situation with Woody being basically told you don't get to steer the ship to show that you know no it's not going to run away it, it's going to be controlled by the commissioners by the states and that's where the power lies in a convention of states now you mentioned the fact that this is suggestions and stuff so let's say this occurs mm -hmm. and the things that you guys just ran through in the simulation are passed what happens then? Okay, well, what happens is once a, an amendment gets through the process of the Convention of States Convention, then it is, again, it goes back to the state legislators just like it would if, the, if Congress passed it. If Congress was trying to make an amendment to the Constitution just like they did with prohibition and repealing prohibition, you know, and, and so forth and so on, once it's decided how that's going to read and what it's going to say and everything, that has to go to all 50 states, again, for ratification. If they can't get 38 states to ratify it, it dies, just like any bill on the floor of the House or the Senate that can't get the support that they're looking for, it dies. If they do get the support and 38 state House and Senate or however it's structured pass this and, and say, yeah, we want to see this happen, it becomes law. It becomes part of our Constitution. It becomes a new amendment to the Constitution. And they're required, just like they're required to follow the Bill of Rights, they're required to follow it. Now, again, it's up to us to hold them accountable to following it once that happens. But, you know, once you get a grassroots army together, once you get enough citizens involved and, and, and informed and knowledgeable, when they try to pull some fast stuff, you've got enough people that get on the phone or text or email or whatever it may be and contact their legislator, their senator, their representative, whoever it may be that's pertinent to the situation, 
and they say, look, you know, this is how we feel about this. And again, that's what these people listen to. They listen to the voices of their constituents when they come in volume. One of the things that, that, that I'm always concerned about is the fact that if a politician's lips are moving, mm-hmm. <laughs> they're probably saying whatever is expedient at that moment mm-hmm. to get them off whatever hook they, they fear they might be on. And we kind of got into the situation we're, we're in in North Dakota right now with what I consider to be Burgum and his Republican c- crew. And I use quotes around Republican because... Mm-hmm. I don't consider most of the Republicans in our state actual Republicans. Actual conservatives. Yeah, they're not. Yeah, they're, they're rhinos, Republican in name only. And therefore, if, even if we got this convention through, what are we going to do when it comes back to those people? Because they we're, we're literally asking the same individuals that are in charge now that are loving the power and benefiting from everything that could possibly happen to to rescind their plush life and become again. and become one of the great unwashed as they consider us again and and I'm going to let you think about that because I'm I've got a real quick thing from Churchill shoes uh, to go through because I I really want to hear what your answer is from that so Paul if you could get us Churchill shoes cuz this is an important answer Churchill Shoes has moved. One of the largest SAS dealers in the upper Midwest is now in the Grand Cities Mall and ready to find you a pair of shoes that you will love. At Churchill Shoes, they measure both feet to make sure you're getting the proper fit. They carry men's and women's styles and offer free special orders when shoes aren't in stock and free in-town delivery. Churchill Shoes has operated in Grand Forks for over 65 years and over 75 years of shoe fitting experience on their staff and can cater to all of your footwear needs. Open Monday through Friday from 9 to 5 and Saturday from 9 to 3. Call 701-772-8256 or online at churchillshoesnd.com. Next time you're in need of footwear, give us a try. Your feet will be glad you did. Churchill Shoes in the Grand Cities Mall. They're having a heck of a sale right now, so stop in and find out what they can do for you. Okay, so... My big worry is uh, we, we have a lot of supposed Republicans in the state. And like many other states, we have population centers like Fargo who tend to run the, at least the eastern part of the state for now. But I could see it easily becoming a situation like in Minnesota where Minneapolis rules the rocks and cows and the rest of us out here are just sitting. So the Convention of States does its job. It gets turned over to this, and the legislature does another one of its famous, oh, oh, you were so close, you were just so close, and you almost got it through, but you didn't. But see, so. that, that, okay, that's why it's so important that people get involved, that they go to conventionofstates.com, they sign the petition, which, again, lets that legislator know that they support this idea of having the convention, of having these ideas brought forward, debated, and the good ones making it through and getting put on to a fast track to the states to try to get them ratified into law. Now, again, when it comes time for it to come back to our state to be ratified into law, that's why it's so important for those people that have signed the petition to maybe also have signed up to become a volunteer activist with Convention of States because that allows them to do several very key things. The one thing is that it allows them access to our Convention of States University, 
which is a collection of educational videos that they can watch that educate them about all this politics stuff in a way that's not going to bore them to death or, or, or be so hard to digest. You know, some political stuff is a really hard read when, you're, when you have to read it. So we've put it into video form. And they're short, you know, five, ten-minute videos each segment. So you can digest it slowly. And, you know, if you, eh, I might want to have to go through that one again to really make sure I understand it before I move on kind of a thing. You know, you can go through it at your own pace. And you can really learn things. I mean, I really considered myself pretty knowledgeable on the Constitution before I got involved with Convention of States. But I have learned so much, especially from listening to Michael Ferris and Mark Meckler. You know, Mark Meckler has a Sunday night uh, kind of a little mini podcast or Zoom call. or I mean, it's, it's, a, it's like a, it's a video he puts out. It's called The Battle Cry. And he talks about key issues, you know, with the organization and stuff. And I have learned so much from listening to these guys you know, what they've been through and what they've learned in the process. And, I mean, they are really, you know, keyed in and tied in with a lot of key legislators. I mean, we just had one of our biggest supporters elected Speaker of the House out of Louisiana. And uh, he was key in getting the resolution passed in Louisiana. I think they were the ninth state right before us in North Dakota, if I'm not mistaken. Anyway, uh, Speaker Johnson is, uh, is a huge convention of states supporter supporter of the idea of you know having a convention of states and getting things under control because even you know people that are up there in that thing they realize that it isn't going to get fixed at that level and at that you know in that compartmentalized situation up there everybody that goes up there that you know has a real conservative bent says it's just a it's a really frustrating and difficult thing but the fact is it shouldn't get fixed there. It should get fixed at the state level. And again, if the people would just get involved, like I said, sign the petition, start learning, maybe become a volunteer activist. I mean, we do things. We go out to gun shows and, you know, maybe have a table to spread the information, get people, you know, knowledgeable about, knowledgeable about what's going on, maybe get them to sign the petition. Uh, we have these public meetings like we had in Bismarck recently. Um, and if you're if you sign the petition and if you're in our system, you'll get texts or emails about these events so that you can okay, I might want to go to that one, or I might want to help out, you know, man the table at that one. If you're a volunteer activist, um, what we really need right now is district captains. You know, the district, the voting districts. We should have a district captain in every voting district. That's kind of the head, you know, person in that district that kind of organizes things and coordinates things and maybe holds a bi-monthly meeting of the people in that district to keep them informed of what's going on and, you know, let them know what's upcoming for events and stuff and, you know, organize who's going to work the event or, nah, I shouldn't say work the event, but, like, help out, volunteer, man the event, whatever. Um, that's really what we need. And, you know, if you want to become a district captain, again, we have a convention of states university course that you can go through to learn everything you need to know to, to do that job. And, you know, it's 20 to 30 hours a month minimum, you know, to do that particular job. Um, but we have volunteer activists that, you know, that are in and out, in and out. They, they help out with one event, and then maybe they don't have time for a while, and then they come back in and help with another one. 
and it's not like you're, you know, you have a demand upon you or, or anything. You're a volunteer, and we understand that people, you know, have lives, but, you know, but getting involved with this, that's the key. Because when that, any resolution or any amendment that gets through the convention and comes back to the states, we have to be in a position to have the people to pressure our legislature to do what we want them to do, not what's in their best interest or protects their, you know, backside or whatever you want to, you know, call it. We have to have enough people to say, okay, this is what we want you to do with this, whether we like it and want them to pass it or whether we dislike it and want them to kill it. It doesn't matter. We just have to have the people involved. And that's why we say we're nonpartisan. We don't, we don't want you know, one-sided anything. We want all of the citizens involved in this. We want everybody to have a voice in this because that's how it's supposed to work. You know, there are no you know, bad ideas. It's just, can you defend your side of the argument with facts? Can you support your side of the argument in the debate with truthful, factual things that say, okay, this is why this is a bad idea or this is why this is a good idea because that's how we get to the stuff that becomes very beneficial going down the road to our nation and to fixing it. And, you know, the only way we're going to get the budget under control to get them to stop spending money like, you know, a drunken sailor on liberty, as you like to say. I do. (laughs) Is for the states to demand it. And, you know, the states can just, I mean, the states have the power because... The federal government, where does it get its money? Well, the thing I want to make sure everybody understands is that what we're battling besides the federal government and the bureaucracy and stuff is apathy. Mm -hmm. And the people that I talk to that go, well, no matter what I do, it's not going to change anything. And and I'm I'm looking at them going, well, with that attitude, you're correct, self-fulfilling prophecy. And part of what, what frustrates me so much is the fact that They have to understand there's no white knight, that this is a step in the process. Just because the convention comes through and does something, it's not magic wand time, it's all handled. Just like the speaker getting elected, it's not a magic bullet that's going to fix everything. Just like the Tea Party getting a bunch of conservative candidates elected, it wasn't a silver bullet to fix everything. The people have to be engaged and involved, and they have to stay engaged and involved. That's why the number one mission of Convention of States Action is to build the grassroots army. It's not to pass the resolution in the state, especially North Dakota. We've already accomplished that, and we've defended rescission efforts, three rescission efforts already in the state of North Dakota. Our goal right now in North Dakota is to build that grassroots army, get people involved, you know, get off the yep. apathy wagon. Yep. yep, yep, get off the couch. Get off the apathy wagon and start donating a little bit of your time, especially if you've got children or grandchildren. Oh, Lord. If you've had a grandchild born recently, that child was born into this world with a $100,000 debt saddled around their neck. Yep. Think about that. A little bitty baby, the first, the first breath it takes, 
owes the federal government over $100,000. And it's going to get worse because they're busy creating wars. The Middle East is erupting and everything Conflict. else. They're, they're, they're doing nothing more than attempting to bankrupt everything and everybody. And, of course, then you're not patriotic if you don't want to pony up your yeah. wallet. The most distracted we can be is the happiest they're going to be because if we're too distracted to be involved in the political arena, that's how they love it because they can, especially the corrupt ones, can get away with anything as long as we, the people who are supposed to be in charge of this ship, we're supposed to be steering this ship, when we are not at the helm, you know, there's a party going on on the bridge. Yep. You know, and it ain't being led by us. No, we're, we're the people with the oars in our hands. And, no, we're and, the people paying for the fuel and, yeah. the, and, the, and the repairs on the ship while they go ahead and run it through all the landmines and, you know, beach it on a few coral reefs. And, yeah, they can beat it up as much as they want as long as we keep ponying up to repair and keep the thing moving and running. The, the, the other problem that I have is the fact that we have become so conditioned as a people to being saved by the government to uh, usually to things that they've caused. For example, the two-week COVID crisis that spread into two years where they sent everybody checks two weeks to stop the spread yeah yeah, yeah. And, and 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 then they send you the checks which is you paid them to send you back your own money which i had very difficult time getting people to grasp but i that. i did work at it but you paid that back three or four times over that money that they sent and we're going to continue to pay it because it's that that bill has come and passed and passed and passed and the people that we're, we're looking at that are telling us we need to import all of these immigrants because we don't have enough workers. We have enough workers, mm-hmm. but there's a bunch of them still being paid by the government to sit and do nothing. And I don't care how much people look at me and go, that's not true. The hell it isn't. Yeah, the best, the best motivator for people to go to work is starvation. Yes. You know, back in our younger days, if you didn't earn a living... You went without. And I think we need to, uh, as harsh as that sounds, we need to return to that. There should be no handout. I mean, a hand up to someone who's in need is is one thing. That's a whole different animal we're talking about. But these people that are making a career out of living off of the government. And one of the biggest things that I just get infuriated about is people who, you know, will talk about how someone who is fully capable of working but just decides they don't want to and will take that government check is the same as some veteran who is on a disability for something that happened either in training or in you know in military service and combat and they they say it's the same thing you know that they're getting <laughs> a check from the government just like someone on welfare well no i got news for you that person who joined the military trained and you know to to and took that oath to defend the constitution earned that check because we have an obligation to take care of those people we don't have an obligation to take care of somebody who's just too lazy or unwilling to do their fair share and pull their weight well just to give you an idea uh there's a real big problem in downtown fargo right now i don't like going to downtown fargo and i used to live down there back in the day and i used to go to the y down there and i was comfortable no problem And there is a homeless encampment that has cropped up in downtown Fargo uh, outside of the city um, 
offices. Well, uh, yeah, the, the, the Civic Center yeah. downtown. And uh, they don't do anything to move them along. They don't do anything to change that situation. In fact, the mayor and the city council have been discussing the fact that the, their solution to the problem of the homeless encampment is going to be to open up the Fargo Civic and turn it into a homeless shelter. And allow them to live inside for the winter so that they don't freeze to death. Right. And, well, you know, I mean... Here's my take on that. Okay, if the citizens of Fargo get together and they said, yes, we want to do this, and they voted that, and they, they had a voice in it, and they said as a people, as a community that they wanted to do it, that would be one thing. But for the city council or the county commission or any other elected body to just make that decision, regardless of what their constituents are saying or thinking or feeling, there's your problem. They're just going to do what they want to do regardless of what's going on because there aren't enough people pushing back. Right. There aren't enough citizens that know what's going on, that even know that's going on. And right. we're back to that apathy thing again. Right. The ones that do know are either mad but do nothing, uh, are angry but say there's nothing I can do that's going to impact it anyway, mm-hmm. Or are too busy, whatever, and are, or my other personal favorite, well, that just upsets me, so I don't want to hear about it. Yeah. I, I, I just ignore it. It'll go away if I ignore it. No, it won't. It's going to compound. It's going to get worse. It's going to, you know, double in the frustration level that it gives you. It's going to double in the danger that it puts your family in and your neighborhood or whatever in because there is a very significant increase in crime in Fargo right now Huge. And, well, all of our cities all yes of our cities all of are them seeing an increase in, in in crime and the funny thing is is that it's not really something you hear about our newspapers aren't really reporting it our tv you know news isn't really reporting it until it becomes a major thing that they you know have to report like a terrorist a, attack a terrorist in, in attack fargo or or, a, or a, yeah or or somebody you know killing a bunch of police or shooting and killing police officers or something like that yeah. Yeah, and and I just I get so frustrated with with the if I ignore it it'll go away. The monster under the bed won't get me if I make sure the covers are tucked in and, and close I'm, my eyes. Yeah, close my eyes and go la 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 la. I'm just getting real tired of that. Our yeah. last our last profit margin break is for oh for heaven's cakes. And there is nothing better than treating yourself to some good homemade baked goods. And that's where oh for heaven's cakes comes in. You'll find the best Cupcakes and cakes for any special occasion or just a treat. Walk in to find out what they've got on hand, and I'm warning you, you won't want to leave. Oh, for Heaven's Cakes, where you can do special orders and everything else, is located on the north back side of the Grand Cities Mall. They're open Tuesdays through Friday from 10 to 4, Saturdays from 9 to noon. Call 701-757-CAKE. That's 701-757-CAKE-2253. Or go to oh for heaven's cakes at yahoo.com and you can be a beautiful cupcake in a world full of muffins. Oh for heaven's cakes is located in the Grand Cities Mall and they've got some really good stuff. So the next time you're hanging around and wondering what to have for fun or for your Christmas decorating couch, you know, kind of parties and things, go to oh for heaven's cakes. Okay, here Did we you are. Have any other questions? Well, what I want to know is, um, what I'm looking at is, you said that there were some new developments. What are those in specific, or did you already mention them? Well, again, yeah, that, that they were able to really do an in-depth demonstration with most of the states being present for that with, the, with the simulation, and that's really worth 
that's really worth checking out. It's uh, uh, Cost Simulation 2023. Okay. Can we see that somewhere? Yeah, you can just go out on the website. Search it. Yeah, just search it or, uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I wish I had jotted that down. But yeah, I think just search COS Simulation 2023. Okay. Should be able to find it. Um, and you can watch the entire thing. It's it's out there, you know. No, the no fun editing like January sixth. Yeah, yeah, it's all just out there. The whole the whole thing, warts and all, is out there, you know, on the on the web without it being. So literally, if we if we we know Kansas has got issues with judicial and stuff, but we we're we're halfway there. Oh well, over yeah yeah over half. So so th- this is no longer. Um, just a small group of people trying to put something together. This could has has the potential to become at least another salvo in our push to try to get them to pay attention to the great unwashed that they the deplorables as they like to call us, or my personal favorite. Now that I know that I'm a actually I'm a terrorist because I yeah. don't agree with them. So the FBI is looking at me right now. Hi guys. Uh, but, <laughs> but, but I mean, this is, this is something that could be viable for the people that say there's nothing I can do. And the progress that's being made is at the level now where we're starting to see quite a bit of pushback from the, you know, from the people that don't want to see the States and the people back in power, the people that want the federal government to have the consolidated power. They're starting to, really take notice of Convention of States action, you know, um, the foundation and the non you know, both, this, uh, you know, both sides of the Convention of States. So I know what we're going to have is, because I'm out with the property tax initiative in North Dakota, and the first thing that people say is, well, if we get rid of the property tax, how are we going to pay for everything? And I tell them there are millions and millions billions. and billions of dollars in North Dakota that are just sitting there. In fact, Governor Burgum has created a couple of new funds because we had too much in other funds. So mm-hmm. I'm not worried about the money situation, but when because there's a lot of people... I'm going to use an example of Representative Kramer, who constantly likes to tout the fact that he's doing a good job because of all the federal money he brings to the state. And that's, you know, that's going to be some some heavy duty pushback because people are going to say, well, how are you going to fund the state without the federal government involved? Well, you just look at the amount of money that the state is paying to the federal government every year, the millions and millions that the state is giving to the federal government for different reasons, different things, if the state was keeping that money, not sending that to the federal government, then that would take care of a lot of it. And if we weren't funding the Department of Education, the alcohol, tobacco, and firearms, the any number of alphabet agencies that are technically federal overreach by our Constitution, if we weren't funding all those things, then well, there'd be a lot more money at the state level to pay for the state level stuff. North Dakota is one of the most solvent states in the United Absolutely. States. Absolutely. We have no money issues if we go back to just being responsible for ourselves. We're fine. The idea, the scare tactic that they use that, oh, without the federal government we'd be we'd be driving on pothole roads and we'd have no <laughs> we'd have no medical services and we'd be our kids would have no schools to go to. That's all a bunch of scare tactics and just Flat out, not true. Well, and when I look at things, I look at the the border, 
And it's not just the southern border, because uh, I have a cabin up we're, mm. we're within spitting distance of, of uh, Canada. And let me tell you, we got a problem in the Canadian border. We're not talking about it. Yeah. But we have issues up there. We yeah. just had a young Somali lady with a bunch of her children coming across uh, illegally who got on her cell phone because she hadn't had, didn't have an idea that there was actually snow up here <laughs> and, and got rescued. And, I mean, that's one of the ones that made the call. We had Ooh. some just the other day year that died uh what i'm trying to say is if this came back to the states rather than being the purview of the federal government could we do it any worse well no you couldn't do it any worse but here's the thing again federal borders should be the purview of the federal government okay there's a few things the federal government does well an army you know military having a military to defend you know, our national security is one of them. Defending our borders, you know, mm. with other countries is something that they are supposed to be responsible for and good at. Um, but, yeah, they can do it better than the individual states themselves. If we just have the states along the border doing it, it's much more difficult as it, you know, for them. But It, it, it might be, but I question that because I'm, I'm looking at the, the seven years that the Pentagon has not passed an audit. Mm-hmm. I, I'm looking at... Us funneling money into Ukraine, I believe that the, the head of Ukraine has been making $223 million a day since the start of that conflict. And that was a day, people, $223 million a day. Yeah. Uh, we've obviously been told by Israel we're not giving enough. And the thing that everybody has to understand when they make comments like that, I'm not against the Ukrainian people. I'm not against the Israeli people. I'm not against the Palestinian people. What I am against is this government coalition that seems against to have them formed taking precedence over the American citizen. Absolutely, right. and especially over the the American veteran mm-hmm. and the boys and the girls that are thrown out there, quite frankly, as cannon fodder and as pawns in what is nothing more than a, I consider it to be a money grab by the governments. Yeah, well, again, the thing is, you're still looking at it like the federal government being the big monstrosity, right. powerful monstrosity is now. If the states were in charge and the federal government were smaller and only doing the things that they're supposed to be doing, and the states were overseeing that the way they're supposed to be, you know, and the states were saying, hey, you're not doing your job, or we want you to do it differently or better here. We want you to. That's how it's supposed to be done. The, the, the states are supposed to get together and decide just how, mu- how big a stick they're going to give to the federal government. And when the federal government starts abusing that, then, you know, they might want to cut a little bit off that stick, make it a little smaller. Or if it is in the best interest of everybody, Maybe they want to make it a little bigger. But see, that should all be being decided at the state level, not at the federal level. And that's where we've... See, we've gotten so far away from our original federalism form of government. We've been living under what I like to call corporatism, or what a lot of people call crony capitalism. Yep. Where corporations and the almighty profit increase have been, you know, ruling our country for decades since at least the 1970s. You know, if a company isn't making an increased profit, quarterly profit increase, they're open to corporate rating and to being, you know, bought out and sold off to the highest bidder in pieces because that's just the way the structure's set up. It's not capitalism. 
And that's the biggest thing our young people are being fooled into believing is that this evil corporatism is actually capitalism, and they see that, and, and they, they they're calling it capitalism. And well, I don't. It's not. I don't. I don't blame them for thinking I don't that either. capitalism is evil, because they're misinformed as to what capitalism actually is. Well, the other thing that this might do is give some of the states back some of control. Like a lot of the farmers are battling against federal law, and especially this mm-hmm. federal green nonsense because federal law has taken precedence over state law which was never designed to happen especially in environment and everything else small businesses uh with with the minimum wage and everything else that's happened because it's come down from federal again aren't able to cope so they're they're literally through crony capitalism eliminating Smaller businesses, which include family farms and everything else, because they are knuckling under because they can't they can't keep up with all of the federal regulations where the corporations just write them off. Well, yeah. And, you know, the thing is, that it's all about this precedent thing. You know, it's like when FDR did away with the gold, took us off the gold standard. He was using a law that was passed during World War One that was passed to keep us from, you know, Keeping foreign entities and keeping us from doing business, you know, with foreign entities that are that are our enemy or whatever, he used it to take us off the gold standard. And, you know, so once the law is there, it doesn't matter if it was intended for a good purpose in the first place Correct. or not. It can then be used for nefarious purposes. And by taking us off the gold standard and 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 creating the Federal Reserve yep. and, and giving. George Washington, they, th- those bankers tried to get a hold of our monetary system from the very first day, and Washington, Jefferson, and Adams, they told those European bankers to go take a hike because they knew as soon as they got a c- control of our currency, they controlled us. And they, for years and years and years, it was like that until finally those bankers got their foot in the door. And I think it was probably in the 1920s or 30s, right before the big first... Yep, you know, de- imagine. Yeah, before the big crash that was the Great Depression, it's got to make you wonder just how much of a coincidence that is. Well, there's too many coincidences. There's too many, in my mind, manufactured crises Mm -hmm. that only the federal government has the solution to. And uh, there's too much money that just wafts away or goes to fund things that mean nothing to anybody in this United States of ours. And and I I think we need to get a handle on it. And I, I, what can you say to people? We got about two minutes left. Yep. What can you say to people that you really want them to know? Number one about the convention of states, and number two, why it matters. Well, we really need to get back to being Americans, strong, independent, not scared of everything. Americans that stand up when things get tough. Stand up. Take on the responsibility and fix it. And that's what Convention of States is doing. We're using Article 5, Part 2, which the Founding Fathers gave us to rein in the federal government and, and repair and fix what the federal government will not repair and fix about itself. It is the tool. It is the fix as big as the problem. And we've been scared out of using it in the past. And this time, we're not going to be scared out of using it. Convention of States is dedicated to seeing this convention called and getting it at least a convention on the books, win or lose, pass resolutions or not, 
you know, pass uh, uh, amendments or not, you know, get them ratified or not, whatever the case may be, chips fall where they may. We want to see it done so that there is a track record and a, that people can see that it can be done. It's done parliament, in parliamentary, you know, fashion and it can work. So we're not going to be, you know, bought off by the powers that be throwing us a bone. Now, what I need people to do is get involved, get active, become a volunteer activist with Convention of States is one of the best ways to do that. Sign our petition at conventionofstates.com. That'll get the ball rolling. That just sends a message from you to your representative, your district representative saying, hey, I like this idea. I want, I, I want this to continue. I don't want you to rescind this in North Dakota. We want to see this continue down the road. That gives them the confidence to know they're doing the right thing. They, they overwhelmingly passed this resolution back in 2016, I believe it was, or maybe. Anyway, we were the 10th state, and they passed it by a large margin. And the latest rescission effort, that's one of the questions they were asked, is have things gotten better or worse since you passed this resolution? And all of them had to say worse. worse. So why would we rescind it now? We're, you know, we're still going down the road. We don't want to go down, and this is the fix for it. So get involved. Go to conventionofstates.com. Sign the petition. Let us contact you. you know, sign up for email or text notifications so we can let you know what's going on. Maybe even sign up to be a volunteer activist and uh, get the ball rolling. If you really are serious about wanting to really make a difference, let us know you want to be a district captain. And we will be getting a hold of you and, and helping you get through that process and learning what you need to learn to become a district captain with us. Awesome. Well, Dale, thank you very much for being with us today and providing us with some other information. But somewhere between there's nothing I can do and uh, damn the torpedoes, you know, storm the Capitol as we did on January 6th, unfortunately, to our great demise. Everybody, this is Common Sense Uncensored, as always, coming to you on Monday from GFBS. And I want to let you know, stay safe out there. We love you. Bye-bye.